Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Joe Spain, a Dublin-born crime author who launched herself on the Irish literary scene just two and a half years ago, and in that time she has written four novels. Her first three books feature Detective Tom Reynolds and his team as they solve a number of grisly murders, while her latest, The Confession, is a standalone psychological thriller that is on shelves now. And as if that wasn't enough in such a short time frame, she's also written another two novels which will be released before the end of the year. You're nothing if not prolific. Seriously, do you write fast? I do. <laughs> I really do. Although I didn't know that I was a fast writer until it was pointed out to me that um, generally publishers publish one book a year. And at the very start of my career, that was what they were doing. There was one book in 2015, 2016, 2017. And then I gave them the standalone and they said, well, we're definitely publishing this as soon as possible and we want another Tom and have you got another standalone and like, <laughs> suddenly <"Whoa." laughs> So when you yeah. sit down that right I mean what could you turn out in a day? On a good day um, I mean I do anything up to 10,000 It's a more day. the tiredness of my hands and typing that would stop me you know And would there be much editing involved then afterwards or is it a case you just get something down? I do a first draft and I don't stop. I don't look back. I do a first draft and as as fast as I'd like the reader to read it, you know, so I, I will think about the story before I sit down and write it. I'll think out an outline and then I'll sit down and in about four weeks I'll bang out the draft and then I'll edit in it. In four weeks. Yeah. You yeah. know, there are many writers listening to this now who are extremely <laughs> jealous. Maybe they're better. <laughs> <laughs> because I was going to ask you, is it a case of, you know, the more you write, the faster you write, if that makes Definitely. sense? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You just I mean, get into a rhythm. You do. Well, I writing is my job. I do it full time now and I write every day as in if I'd gone to a job. And sometimes I write late into the night, even as if I've taken the work home because I want to finish a certain chapter or a story, you know. But when I do these outlines for myself, I tend to do them um, in such a structure that I would know what's happening in any given chapter. So I would keep going and until I got to the end of that chapter in my own head, you know. Um, but and the then go to bed is, and think about it, probably. Yeah, <laughs> sadly so. <laughs> and how do you structure that then? Do you Are you somebody who has post-it notes all over the room or how do you structure the plot as such? I just, I type it out on a Word document and I leave it on one side of the computer and I, I just bury it down and I pull it up every time I'm thinking, OK, where am I going next? But it would be a very, very clear outline in my head. It would be like a map from the start to the middle to the end of the book. Um, and sometimes I think of other stuff as I'm going or even later on when I'm editing, I think of other stuff to add in. But it would be literally a, a formula for that book in right. my head. In your head. Yeah. So as opposed to decked out all over the room with notes and everything, I think I'd have notes everywhere. I live in a tree bed house with four children. So our, <laughs> our space capacity is, um, yeah, they take up all of the space. Everything for mommy has to be in. Head. And when it comes to cross-referencing then, though, you know, when you're editing and all the rest, oh, who said that or what said that or what height is he or what was his name again? So how do you manage all of that? It, I seem to have a large memory <laughs> <laughs> all the capacities in your head yeah, that's interesting yeah. but I'm like um, 
I always say to people when I was in college, I used to do quite well in exams. I could not tell you anything that I ever learned in college. I have an excellent memory up to a certain point. And when you do write fast, sometimes you have a book out on the shelf and people are asking you about a book you did six years ago. And I'm like, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me the details. I know. I remember then. I don't remember now. (laughs) And when it came to writing then initially, did you always write even as a a child? I did. Um, I wrote stories, but... And poems and things like that. And I always had teachers who told me I was a very good writer. But I didn't, like, you know, people say they want to grow up and be a writer. I didn't think that that was a feasible thing. A proper job? No, I, I just didn't. I, I mean, I would have, if you'd said to me, you could do this when you grow up and get paid for it, I would have been like, oh, yes, I'll do that, you know. But um, I, I just thought it was something other people did. But you did work as a freelance journalist then at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, I always think that gave me the grounding for writing. It really did. Because once you learn that you have to hook a reader in in the first paragraph that stays with you for life. And I think a lot of readers or a lot of writers struggle with that, actually. You know, they have an idea in their head, but they don't know how to begin. And with journalism, you know, yourself, you have to, without the beginning, you have nothing. You know, you have to bring them in at the beginning. So, And it also gives you a structure, though, and a deadline structure. Very much so. And also a capacity to be edited, which is extremely important. Um, And I married an editor as well, so... Ah. I'm you have them everywhere. on hand. Yeah. <laughs> is that good or bad? It is very good, actually. I mean, it was when we first met, actually, and he was editing, you know, the work I was doing. I was ugh, resistant, you know, but it, I got beaten down into accepting that criticism is good, you know, and it is. I, once you see that a product is much better when you let people do their job to it. And I'm always I'm, I'm a big fan of let everyone do the job that they're supposed to do. Don't think you can do it all. Don't be a micromanager, you know, um, and I'm surrounded by very good editors. At the moment. At the moment. Good job, <laughs> including the husband, I, yeah. I hope. So when did the writing, when did it start seriously then? I decided to write a book in 2014, just the end of 2013, 2014, um, a fiction book. And I think, I, I don't know what the point was. I really can't put a finger on it, but I do read all the time. I read everything always. And I love storytelling. I love reading it. I love watching it. I love listening to it. Um, and I just thought I'd give this a try on what I thought was a vanity project um, and I it took me a year to write the first book because I hadn't learned that I could that kind of structuring I was literally just and sitting down and you could down. write as fast as you do yeah and but I had a full time job as well of course um, so I was doing this in the evenings and weekends and with the kids as well so I just had a notion for a plot and I thought sure I'll give it a go because and where did the crime genre come from? I'm obsessed with crime. <laughs> I, I love. I've been reading crime since I was like very small I mean I started with Ina Blyton's and Famous Fives and I, I I went through the entire children's section in the library and moved into the adult section where they were giving me all the Agatha Christie's and Arthur Conan Doyle and Colin Dexter and so on and so forth. And I loved watching it as well. So if there was a Poirot or Miss Marple on UTV or something, I'd be watching that, you know. And that's, I think it's the plot. I love the plot. I love mm. the mystery, the whodunit, the guessing. Um, I always preferred kind of, you know, the whodunits to the likes of Columbo at the time right. which is odd considering how I'm writing now um, but I still love it I love everything And the first book then was called With Our Blessing and in that we have a detective inspector called Tom Reynolds Yes So where did the I suppose the notion for him come from he's a very rounded character um, and he just you know he, he's he's focused on work but he also has his home life and he's trying to balance all of that so where did he come from? I think I was going through this slew of reading detectives who are very kind of complicated, um, problematic males. Um, and I don't mind that. I the mean, I, Yeah, the, they were kind of cliched. I mean, I liked reading them. But um, when I decided to write this book, 
I was going to be doing this every night time and every weekend on top of a very taxing job and with small children. And I was like, if I'm writing a guy like this, I'm not going to like him and I'm not going to want to spend time with him every single night. You know, so I wanted to write somebody who Tom has all those qualities of loyalty and he's intelligent, but he's also funny. You know, I, yeah. mean, I wanted to make him as witty as possible, which meant I would be writing this and kind of giggling to myself at things that he would be saying or doing, you know, and I enjoyed him. And it meant I could open the computer every single night and look forward to it. And look forward to it. And I mean, it was an accident that he became a man and not a woman. Like people say, why didn't you write a woman detective? And it was purely because the first book, which I didn't know would, would go on to be what it was. I didn't know it would go on to be a series, was set in a mother and baby home that was full of women. And I was just thinking, if I write a woman detective, there will be no men. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a bad thing, but I just thought to bit see it through gender the, balance. bit of gender balance. I was thinking to see it through the prism of a man's eyes might be interesting. And you did model him, you've said this in the past, you modelled Tom Reynolds on your husband. Yeah. <laughs> How does your husband feel about that? <laughs> he's, um, well, I have said like he is thrilled and mortified in equal measure because he's quite introverted. Um, but they say, write what you know. And I am I was not a 40 year old man. <laughs> so I was like, for authenticity, you know, I just wanted to get the man correct and not be a woman writing the man. So I was studying um, my husband, who's a little bit older than me, quite a lot all his little habits and foibles and unknown to him until he read it and he was like oh okay (laughs) I'm I'm recognising somebody here (laughs) yeah yeah very much so so it took you a year to write the first one as you said but actually you did something unusual then you entered a competition the Richard and Judy book club competition in the UK so why did you do that? Again, uh, there was somebody looking down on me. It was absolutely fluky. Um, I think I was I wasn't too well one day, and I was up in bed and just browsing on the laptop, and an ad came up on Facebook. Um, and I'd been thinking about entering the debut daggers, which is a thing where you send in your first three chapters of your novel. I just finished the novel, um, and then you know nothing happens. You you win the debut dagger award, but they don't give you a publishing deal or whatever. And this ad flashed up. As Facebook does, you know, if they see you interested in anything, they find you and tell you everything else. Um, and the closing date was the following day. Mm. And, and you I, had the book ready to go? I had the book ready to go. And all I did was polish the first few chapters or whatever they wanted. And I sent it in. It was free to enter. Bang, off you go. And I forgot all about it. And then three months later, I got an email saying out of thousands and thousands of entrants, they'd shortlisted seven women. And you were one of the seven. And I was one of them. Yeah. Now, you didn't win. No. But the publicity that you got was probably priceless. It was Well, I didn't win, but the publishers rang me up and said it hadn't been a genre specific competition. Um, and Richard and Judy had plumbed for this kind of, it was an historical kind of romance. Um, Tracy Reese was the, the, the author at the time. But they were the publishers of Girl with Dragon Tattoo and they were big crime fans. And the editor who'd actually come across my, in the pile, just said, we want to sign you for a two book deal immediately. Wow. I'd never sent it to an agent. I'd never sent it to a publishers. It just literally went straight to them. And what did that feel like? Unreal, because I had a 10-day-old baby at the time. (laughs) As you do, do everything at the same time. Yeah, (laughs) and I was sleep deprived and she was giving me this news on the phone and um, I I was kind of going, yay. And she was like, are you excited? And I was like, yes, but I (laughs) was asleep. So I was trying to, it's like when Ryan Toverty rings somebody on the late, late and they won the money and he's like, are you happy? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that was my reaction. So it was a two book deal. So you had to write a second one. And was it, did you strategically think that you wanted to write another Tom Reynolds book then? 
Yeah, and, and they specifically wanted it. They said, we love okay. this detective. He's unlike anything on the market at the moment because they too had noticed this kind of slew of cliche detectives. Yeah. And um, they said he's very likeable as a detective. And we like also that you're doing this kind of Irish crime. Um, the setting is important, but also picking up something in the background of Irish history or whatever it is, you know. And I said, mm, interesting, I've got another idea for a plot that could involve something to do with Ireland so yeah very consciously went with him again and they are sort of there is a uniquely Irish feel to the novels you know the first one that we mentioned was set in a Magdalene laundry or sort of mother and baby home uh, beneath the surface the second one you're talking about was about a murder in Leinster House and you once worked there um, and then your third one which you went on to do was about the disappearances of women in the in the countryside so was it a case of sort of looking at real life in Ireland at the time and and partly writing about what you know it really was. like I, I really like reading the Scandi Noirs. I've kind of moved on to French Noir or whatever they call it now. But um, they are very good at doing crime set against the social background. So Henning Mankell and then, of course, Steve Larson as well did it. And I was thinking, like, as a country, like, we're fairly ripe for that kind of crime mm-hmm. exploration. And like, we have that kind of um, reputation of being very good storytellers but I was thinking actually socially and politically and economically we've come through a fascinating period so there's ample material there for a background to a crime story and it just gives the story a little bit more depth and they're all quite timeless as well you know very even though a lot so. of them are, have yeah. been in the news at various times but they are are quite timeless yeah and you know, again you stuck with Tom Reynolds for the three books and on that it's a series obviously you have the characters in place. Is that harder or easier every time? You know, you're going back, you have the same characters. All you have to do is come up with the plot. Yeah. That makes it sound very easy, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it has, I think it has its pros and its cons. Like the pro is like that kind of slipping on the comfortable coat and you just think up the plot and, you know, everything is, you don't have to do a large exposition explaining who the character is because a lot of readers come into a series and they follow it through. You know, you, you do kind of a summary and if they want to know more, they go back. The con is you've got to keep these detectives' lives in momentum somehow, unless you very consciously decide. Their personal lives. Yeah, so unless they, they really have no, like like a Poirot or Miss Marple and they only serve to kind of, they're, they're like ciphers, they just kind of figure out the plot, you know. Um, I wanted to have a detective family, so I wanted all of their lives to progress. That's difficult because you can run out of ideas and I think a lot of authors slip into the tropes of they'll kill a family member of the detective and I'm not ruling any of these out for future <laughs> books. <laughs> One never knows what might yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it can get um wearing if you if you just keep using the same detective team and yes you can come up with new plots but you don't have an awful lot of originality to work with them with the detectives so pros and cons and then we've had three Tom Reynolds books but then you went in a totally different direction and you've written a standalone and that's the one that's on shelves at the moment the confession so what happened there I wanted a break from Tom. Were you tired of him? Yeah, yeah. I, well, <laughs> don't tell your husband that. <laughs> <laughs> trial separation <laughs> um yeah, I, I just kind of, I it was all those pros and cons I'm talking about. I was thinking, OK, I do have another plot for Tom and, and that is written, Tom number four. But I wanted to kind of stand back and I had this idea in my head that wouldn't work for Tom it, because it was very much a first person narrator and it was a, it was what turned out to be a why done it as opposed, as to, opposed who to who done, done it. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it didn't work with the Tom setup. So I needed, I mean, there is a detective in the confession, but she's very much a kind of a bit part to the main narrator's. And I had no contract for the book and I just said, I'll just go off and I'll write it and send it off to the agent and see what she thinks. I think, you know, I don't know if we could send it to a different publishers if Quirkers really wanted to just have Tom all the time. 
and she read it and I was running on a beach in Wexford and I got this email all capital letters love this more please how could you be checking your email when you're running on a beach oh, I'm at my run I'm always checking <laughs> <laughs> see what happens um, and yes the publishers immediately once they got their hands and it said okay uh, yes give us another Tom and we're going to give you a separate contract for this and this is oh. going to just Interesting. Be our biggest thriller. And again, it is a standalone and you're actually watching telly with your poor unfortunate husband one night when you come up with the idea. (laughs) I'm planning plots right now. (laughs) That's what I'm worried about. The next one will be set in a radio studio. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was. It was... um, I don't know. My, my my mind works in funny ways. It does. So we've guessed at this point. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the husband has said that to me before. He said that that's not what normal people think, you know. And I, we were just watching TV and I had that awful feeling because I have a very vivid imagination. I'm always worried. I'm always upstairs checking if the kids are okay. I'm always checking if the doors are locked, all of that kind of thing. But I generally worry about the children. And this time I thought, imagine somebody just walked into your sitting room and I can literally started beating you to death because maybe of something you've done or maybe random or arbitrary, you know, what would you do? And it stemmed from that kind right. of really visceral, vicious opening scene. Um, and then I decided to give the characters background and everything. But I said it to him at the time and he was like, that's just nuts. But you wrote <sighs> it anyway. Yeah. And how long did it take to write? That was, I did it in four weeks. Wow. Um, I did it in the, we released it this year. So I did it in um, the summer of 2016 and we edited it till the end of the year. And then we gave it to the publishers. It takes kind of a year to turn around a book then in terms of getting it printed and PR and everything. And again, as we mentioned, it's a why done it because we find out pretty much quite early on who did it. Um, so it's a why done it instead of a who done it. Yeah. And I was very worried about that because I'm used to doing the who done it. Um, I don't know, I keep readers interested if they know who's done it straight away. And the trick was why yeah why has he done it you know he's gone in and he's obviously attacked this man and then he hands himself into a police station says yes I did attack the man but I don't know why so it's all about the background story yeah yeah so is he lying or is he telling the truth was it a random attack or and this guy's the guy he attacks is an infamous former banker with skeletons bursting out of his closet you know so uh, any number of reasons he could have been attacked for and congratulations it became a number one bestseller literally within a week yes (laughs) well done that was great (laughs) And have you had other number one bestsellers or was this the first one? That was the first one. I've had other bestsellers, but it's the first time it's hit number one. Hilariously, my first book became a number one bestseller on Amazon because it's set in Limerick. <laughs> so it became a number one bestseller in Limericks. Oh, really? <laughs> so. Interesting. There you go. you got a loyal, yeah, loyal yeah, following yeah. there, which is brilliant. Yeah. So what are you working on at the moment then? You have Tom number four is done. Yeah. Um, so what else is happening? I have another standalone coming out at the end of the year as well. Uh, it's called Dirty Little Secrets. Um, and now I've got a contract to do another Tom for next year. And then they'll want another standalone after that as well. OK, and uh, am I hearing rumours we might see Tom on a screen near us soon? Yes, Tom is, uh, it's just been optioned um, by a large international production company who are very, very famous and well known. Um, I haven't signed off on the contract to that yet, but he is definitely coming to a screen. He's okay. been made. Good stuff. You're looking yeah. forward to hanging around a, a film set now, yeah. one of these days. And I suppose just to go back as well, and interesting, you know, as you said, you, you are number one bestseller um, at the moment. Book reviews. So how do you feel about reading those? Again, you've had, you know, this work that you've been working on. You've put your heart and soul into it. Do you read them or do you not? I do. I do. I'm, I probably shouldn't, but 
luckily so far they've all been very good I feel like I'm opening up a big kind of <laughs> hit me with your bad reviews here now but I'm very I have a very balanced approach to them because I'm a reader so I know that there's books that I pick up and I either love or detest and I mean if I was to put my words down on some books I could crush somebody's heart or make their day you know but I, that's not my job I don't do that but if somebody didn't like my book and I may see bad reviews on like Amazon or Goodreads whatever and I just they don't really bother me that much, you know. Well, all you have to do is look at uh, the fact that you were number one bestseller and sort of go, okay, well, there is, works for some. There is it? a thing. Um, I was listening to one of the podcasts and it was by the Man Booker Prize. Um, that they, Peter Carey. Yes, and I was thinking, he was saying, well, they can criticise me, but they have to criticise me as the Man Booker Prize winner. That's <laughs> so, it. He's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's interesting as well is the Irish crime writing scene at the moment. You know, it's it's just really flourished in the past couple of years, and particularly with female crime writers. There's so many out there. Why do you think that is? It has exploded and yeah. we are punching above our weight so much everywhere I go. I was in London last week for various publicity events and people were talking to me almost entirely about Irish crime writers from like Tana French kind of steamed mm-hmm. ablaze and now there's Liz Nugent and Sinead Crowley and Catherine Wright Howard and Andy Carter and myself and I think the list could go on but um, I think it's that thing I was saying but we're very good storytellers but sometimes when people see something being done you know so when I was writing crime fiction it didn't occur to me that I couldn't do it because I was reading Tana French so I didn't think oh sure nobody in Ireland writes crime fiction Tana French writes crime fiction and she's winning New York Times bestseller Absolutely. lists and what have you, you know. So I felt it was doable. And I think it's almost like there's a collective movement then if people see it can be done, they think, oh, I can do it too. And we're good storytellers, so we're doing that, well. And that's part of it. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with you on that. And would you ever try your hand at a different genre? I would. I definitely would. Um, like I what? think the next standalone I'm doing, while it has an element of crime, it is far more psychological in terms of human beings and their interactions. I'm a big, big fan of the Leanne Moriarty books. Mm-hmm. So they're, again, they're kind of soft crime. There's always a little mystery in them because I do like when a book has kind of a hook in it, you know, even if it's a romantic plot or whatever, you know, but she very much studies people. And I like that. And people have said to me that the best things about my books are the characters. So I do good characterization, and I enjoy dialogue between people and humour as well and when you're doing the dialogue as well do you speak that out as you're writing it or again do you just let it pour out sometimes I do sometimes I do yeah very specifically um, if I want to have very different narrators and I want to make sure they don't all sound the same it, I do sound out what they're saying so there isn't kind of a blurring of the language and do you have an image in your head then of what all the characters look like I know you probably describe them in the book as such, but in your own head. I do, generally, generally. Sometimes, um, like minor characters, I don't really, I just give them a characteristic or I just give them a role in the plot. I don't give them a physical appearance, you know. The key characters, I know what they all look like, which will be interesting when they start casting Tom. Well, that's it. (laughs) So would you have any say in that? Um, I'm not sure I've, like, you know, I don't have, you can't cast this person, (laughs) but I have consultative say. um, And I already have several kind of people, which I shouldn't do, attached to in my head because they look exactly like I think they should look. And who does he look like besides your husband? Well, yeah, because he can't act. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I really like, I don't know if you know, an actor called Barry Ward. Yes. He was in Jimmy's Jimmy's Hall. I'd love him for Tom. And he has that sort of ruffled look about him, doesn't he, with the does, hair? does, because yeah. Tom is not like, like Tom is, um, he's attractive, but I don't describe him as pretty, you know, that kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, what's the most important thing for me is Tom is that he looks intelligent. 
because he is a smart detective. He does a lot of his thinking quietly. And has a sense of confidence around and him. And a sense of confidence. And you have to, and I well, I think it was when I watched Jimmy's Hall and I was looking at Barry Ward and I was thinking, aha. That's him. That is that is my Tom. Well, know? we will look forward now to, to seeing him on a screen soon. But you've also written a script for another, another drama that's actually, it's written and it's going to be filmed soon. Is that right? I'm in the process of a top, secret project. Oh, I love Top Secret. Tell us all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be sued. (laughs) And is it for an Irish production or abroad? I can't even say that. Um, But it's... it's, it's Is it crime? Interesting. It's it's one of those things where it might never get to screen. So you're like absolutely forbidden from talking about it. But all the old men look very good. And is it crime Um, related? It's dramatic. Okay. (laughs) She is absolutely sworn to secrecy. We're not going to get anything (laughs) out of her. Joe Spain, that was great. Thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find the Tom Reynolds books as well as The Confession in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on SoundCloud or iTunes. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production. 